Hello and welcome to Make It Work, the bi-weekly podcast where we uncover inspiring stories of modern working mamas in Asia who have redefined their career paths whilst putting family first. I'm Sarah Wong and today I speak with Fanny Lim, a friend and non-profit leader whose story reminds us that when going through life's transitions, it's okay to not always have it figured out. It wasn't Fanny Lim's plan to be a stay-at-home mom for six years after a successful career in IT sales. Neither did she expect to be an executive director of award-winning charity empowering underprivileged women, but somehow all of these fell into her lap unexpectedly after she became a mom. Come listen to an inspiring story where Fanny also talks about parenting philosophy, how her understanding of time changed when she became a mom, how she handled being a reluctant leader in the professional world, and her take on having it all. Fanny. Hi, Sarah. Okay, so excited to have you. Can you tell us about yourself and your story? I'm Fanny. I am a mom of three kids. They are 9, 11, 13 now. And I have one husband. He's Kevin. Both of us happen to be working in the nonprofit sector. Myself have recently joined an organization called Dreams Asia. So have been doing this work for close to seven years now, entering the social impact sector. I know you've done a lot of good work in Daughters of Tomorrow, which is where you were earlier. And it was an interesting journey that you took out of stay-at-home motherhood. So yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that? So after completing my degree, I actually wanted to go into the nonprofit space and you know, even considering going to a rural area to teach English. Well, different people were saying to me, you know, you've got a degree, you've got an education, why don't you go and have some form of professional work experience before venturing out to do anything crazy like that. So that's when I think somebody who I know had a sales job opportunity in an IT solutions firm and said, you know, would you like to give it a try? So I thought, okay, why not? So yeah, I did IT sales for a good six or seven years. Thereafter, I think my first one came along. And interestingly, while that was not my intention to be a stay-at-home mom, uh, last minute, our caregiving plans didn't come to fruition. That's when we decided, okay, maybe I should take a step back from the workforce and uh, take care of my one kid that time. Then after that, this stay-at-home gig took on for another two more kids. I was a stay-at-home mom for six years after that. During that time, what was it like for you? How, how were you thinking about your work and career? I never really thought that I would be a stay-at-home mom. And neither did I think that I'll be a career woman as well. So I guess uh, I had very low or little expectations of how things will be. But there are certain signs that kind of indicate that I do like to work. I think every year there was a there will probably be pockets of time that I will go into job portals and see, you know, what I could do for fun or, you know, what I could take on as ad hoc, temporary, part-time, this kind of thing. So those were telltale signs that actually I probably want to return to the workforce. But it only dawned on me a bit later on. Right, so what brought you out of six years of stay-at-home motherhood? For very practical reasons. We were on single income for that time period. Uh, and then because my younger two children have eczema, uh, so th- uh, we had to commit financial investments into sort of getting them on the healing journey. So because, you know, since the savings are, are going very low, time to look around and see what is out there for me. What kind of work did you get into? I really wanted to be in the people space or contributing to community, that kind of thing. I applied to a few nonprofits. This nonprofit called Daughters of Tomorrow that I've never heard before uh, somehow flagged up to me. And then I went for an interview and then got a part time employment with them and have journeyed with them for close to seven years. It sounded like it wasn't really something planned out. You wanted something that would still be a slow ease into maybe full time work. Yes, yes. So it was very clear to me that I still wanted a part-time work arrangements because my youngest child was only about two 
And since I had stayed home for six years for my oldest, you know, you try to want to be fair to all your kids. Lah. So, you know, I thought I would like to stay home for my youngest, even if not full-time, at least part-time till he's about six years old. Thereafter, only return to the workforce full-time. And, and that's also, I think, why I didn't get the other opportunities I was applying for because they were all looking for full-time staff dozens of tomorrow because they were willing to put me on a part-time kind of volunteer slash, you know, giving me a stipend type of thing. So that's how I started and I could eat myself in. Over time, I think the founder discovered that I could do the work. So yeah, it worked out. It worked out well for both parties. That's really hopeful for a lot of us who are thinking what, what is there that I could do that's not full-time, that I can still be meaningfully applying myself. Can you talk a little bit about how you also worked with your husband, Kevin, on your arrangement during those years? I think it was quite clear when I was a stay-at-home mom. So, you know, I took care of the kids pretty much while he's at work. And it was me being the main caregiver. But once he comes home from work, then he takes over a fair bit of things, you know, so I could be preparing for dinner and then he will take care of the kids. He'll play with them. And then we will both put them to bed. And after that, you know, we will then split up the chores and either wash the dishes, someone do the laundry. A very equitable division of work, at least in our household, we kind of think like, as much as I don't earn an income, I am working in the day as well. So when you come back, you know, rather than kick back, relax, and I have to continue doing the work, it's very evenly spread out <laughs> between both parties. Yeah, I remember him from my youth. He is someone who's very involved, very hands-on as a dad. So I'm sure that really helped as you also stepped up more in your role where you are moving from part-time to full-time to a leadership position. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about that and how we thought about it? Because you didn't start out wanting to hit out with the NGO, but it fell into your lap. Like you mentioned, pretty much a reluctant leader uh, because one thing is I enjoy groundwork. Secondly, as I mentioned, I really wanted to stay home part-time somewhat with my younger children. And so when you take up a leadership position at an NGO that was growing, um, you very much need to commit to it full-time. And because of that, there was that tussle and tension as well. But Kevin is a very strong supporter of me embracing the challenge and taking up the leadership position. Interestingly, he recognized it to be a seasonal thing. That means that when I was a stay-at-home mom, and he took up leadership position in the organization he was with. He recognized that to be a season where it was him going out and I played a support role, a support function to him. Then he somehow thought that, you know, it is now my season to step up. While he's still very much working full-time, but he saw the need to support me and so that I don't have to worry so much about the home affairs or about the children. And so he said, you go on ahead, do what you need to do. We will back you up all the way. So I said, okay, great. <laughs> I guess uh, with family support like that, even among my sisters, my own family, you kind of think there's no excuse, I guess, if when the opportunity comes. And it should align with what I intend anyway. I would like to create a bigger impact. And so to create a bigger impact, leadership is one of the things that you should be embracing. Yeah, and I know that Kevin also turned down a leadership role to allow you to step up so that you would not be both maybe running so hard. He's more mindful now that, you know, a commitment on his part also means a commitment on my part. We are mindful, I guess, in terms of how the individual commitment will affect the family. We, we had that conversation. I said, you know, we both cannot be going for too big a portfolio or too much at the same time. Otherwise, it's the time with children that will be taken away. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense that it is seasonal and there has to be this sense that you're working together to be a better unit and a better family, making sure that the children are never really sort of getting a shorter end of a stick. We like the idea that our combined time 
as parents with the kids uh, should have equal, if not more than any other influence in their lives. Because for children, I think time is very essential uh, in their growing up years to be able to influence them. A lot of things are taught and not taught. So to do that role modeling is very necessary. And to role model requires you to spend time. <laughs> That's a very long way of telling you that, you know, time is such a critical piece in this parenting journey. And talking about time, how do you now, looking back, think about those six years that you were as a stay-at-home mother? As much as I said that I, you know, almost every year I look out for jobs and see what opportunities are out there. I do not regret uh, being at home. Although some people will say that, you know, oh, and in some ways it is true in that, sorry, took me a while. Like, I'm just thinking, it's true in a sense that it could be like, you know, years of your career being shaped off. And if I think about colleagues that I had peers back in my IT sales company, they probably advanced faster because I took those six years career break. But there are certain things that it depends on what you value and what your priorities are in life. I don't regret spending those six years. I think working mothers are great as well. Uh, I'm a working mother now, and I think there are different ways of spending time. It was circumstantial. In Hokkien, they call it kichu. Like, you know, I, I kind of said, okay, I will be the caregiver. And I built some memories from, with my kids from there. I do appreciate the time of having seen them grow up, enjoying those years with them. Those years also allowed me to get to know myself better as well. That while you're a mom, sometimes you lose your identity, stuff like that. But there are certain things that kind of quieten down for you. So you do have moments where you could reflect. Especially when you put the baby to sleep, <laughs> you got to quiet them down, you know, things like that. Those years were precious and treasured memories for me now. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it that you actually have moments to pause and think and be more reflective as a stay-at-home mother. Maybe you can share a little bit more on what maybe became clearer for you during that time. The one thing I know, a skill set definitely I picked out is like, you know, this multitasking. Yeah. And even when I come back to the workforce, I'm like, I wonder like, you know, why would people think that just because I was out of the workforce, you know, is it that I didn't use my brain or what? But actually, I was strategizing, yeah, almost every day, like, you know, how to avoid baby throwing a tantrum, how to avoid the, you know, the toddler and the siblings uh, clashing with each other. And nap times, you know, very precious as well. Because that's when you do your house chores, that's when you uh, rest if you need to. So, yeah, I did pick up skill sets during that time. It's actually transferable to when I returned to the workforce. Um, but other things that I guess became clear is that life do come in seasons. As you, you pointed out earlier, just because I trade off certain things, it doesn't mean that I'm on the losing end. You, you gain something. I think it's a matter of choice when you want to see what you could have possibly gained. And like I said, you know, things that you gain uh, could help in your next phase in life. Funnily enough, we, we bring our whole selves to work, but in the professional sphere, sometimes people miss that. I could be coming to work as a... Uh, a director or as a manager or as an executive, whatever it is that I come to work as, there is a whole person involved here. I am only a sum of all my experiences and that includes my journey in motherhood, very much so, right? So that actually should be the frame of how we view each other above and beyond the roles and responsibilities we play in our professional sphere. So say hypothetical situation where now you are in your job and you are looking through resumes, right? You're hiring someone for your team and you see a resume of someone who maybe is like you, right? Someone who has been stay at home for some period of time and is going into their first job. What will be going through your mind as you think about whether or not you want to hire this person? 
sometimes we might be very quick to say that, you know, just because the person doesn't show this skill set on the resume, um, this person may not be a right fit for the job that I have. I think what is more critical for us as recruiters or as employers is actually to ask the right questions, to discover what possible angles that this person may have, utilize that skill set we need, and also recognize which are transferable skill sets. I am in the social service sector for seven years, but I've never been trained in the social service. I don't have a diploma degree whatsoever. A lot of things are picked up as I learn and as I observe. Part of that is also my upbringing of having been in environments that are a bit more challenging. So being exposed to people with trouble backgrounds as well. So with that, you know, it helps me to be more sensitized, allows me to have certain empathy levels as well. It's a plus point in my current workspace. But these are things you will not see in my resume or CV. You will only discover when having a conversation with me. So when I talk to people, I guess I will not just ask, what do you used to do? What was your job scope? I guess I will want to know the person as a whole. Because when you hire in the person, you hire the whole. <laughs> as you think back and how far you've gone and where you want to go, are there any things that you would do differently? How far I've come is a surprise to me. <laughs> I think to pause and reflect more and to understand my own triggers as well, to invite feedback more often, hopefully have the humility to taking that feedback, especially if it's, you know, being reinforced by a few of your close confidants. I believe in keeping company with people who not necessarily be like-minded. They may have the same passion, for example, in my area of work of social justice, let's say. So in this area of work, I may have um, so-called colleagues, you know, even though they could be from other organizations. So people who are working towards the same causes, but they may think differently than me. And I think that would be great if I can keep company with people who have a different way of thinking but share the same passion. I think it's important to do that so that you're not in an echo chamber. To keep a posture of learning is essential. And to invite people to call you out is literally something that you need to tell people to do. Can you talk about how this learning as well as your work experience has influenced your parenting? What do you do to inculcate this in your children? I shared earlier about role modeling. It's quite important for us to reflect as well and go to our kids, if not if, but it's a when, uh, when we have overreacted. It could be the simplest of things, like spilling of a drink. Sometimes these become triggers. It is actually, if you think about it, that overreaction is as though, you know, they have betrayed us in some ways, like, you know, the screaming and the shouting is like, you know, World War II has happened. But actually, it's probably because we're tired. At the end of the day, you know, we don't need another task on our, on our to-do list. And so if we have paused and reflected a bit more and think, you know, actually, we have burnt ourselves on both sides of the candle. And that's why we didn't have a spare margin for this kind of accidents or mishaps. That would hopefully allow us to be a bit more gracious and not have reacted too quickly. Apologize. when we, Especially when you're dealing with younger children. <laughs> their memory is so short-term, right? So you just got to quickly say, you know, oh, sorry. Try to keep short accounts and not let it fester for too long. Sometimes we might just say, ah, it's over already, a few days old, don't bother. So role model that part of coming to terms with it, acknowledging it. I was tired. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have shouted at me. It was just a mess that I, yeah, we could have all cleaned up together. What is one thing you want listeners to take away from your story here, Fanny? that nobody can claim to have balanced it all. I don't know. Is there anybody? But yeah, it's a question that people often ask me, you know, how do you balance it all? My short answer is always, I don't balance it all. It's almost like a juggling act. Motherhood, working mother, uh, parenting, life itself. There's always the need to juggle. And sometimes we juggle too many. 
So to know when we have that <laughs> and also allowing ourselves to drop some balls. I think it's okay. It is okay to know our limits. That There are also stretching seasons, of course. If you're ready for it, and if you think this is the season for it, why not? But if there's a season that, you know, you think it's time to not juggle too many things, then pick out what is most important to you. Yeah, just hold those. The rest, you can come back to it. I mean, like my career was put on hold for six years and I come back to it. And we carry on different season for different things, different priorities. You pick and choose what is important to you in this season. If listeners want to connect with you, what are some areas that you would like to talk about and exchange notes on? You know, I can tell you what not to talk about. A lot of other things I'm happy to talk about. But children academics is probably the thing that I'm not so keen because I have certain quite strong opinions on it. Yeah, other than that, I'm good to talk about a lot of things, especially in the area of poverty elevation, which is close to what I'm doing. If you're keen to volunteer, you know, I'm happy to listen to which areas of interest and maybe hopefully point you to the right direction. Thank you, Fanny. Thank you so much for your time. No, thanks, Sarah. All right, so that was Fanny Lim. Despite having accomplished so much, Fanny's humility and openness really struck me and I found it super inspiring that the time she spent as a stay-at-home mom was also integral into her being successful at where she is today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and see you next time. <laughs>